our Lord says, no one knows the day or the hour of the second Christmas. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. You may be seated. Well, today in our Advent candle lighting, in our hymns, in our lessons, we talk about waiting on God, waiting on God. Advent is the season in the Christian year when we learn how to wait. We practice waiting, and it's really hard. In the 1960s, an experiment was done at Stanford University where individual children were placed in a room and, get this, a marshmallow, a single marshmallow was placed in front of them. They were told to wait while the researcher left the room and not to eat the marshmallow. And if they were able to accomplish this incredible feat, they would receive two marshmallows. Now, the researcher leaves the room for 15, 15 excruciating moments. Kid, marshmallow, kid, marshmallow, it's a standoff. Fifteen minutes go by. The footage of what happens to these kids alone in the room with the marshmallow for 15 minutes is hilarious. Like they're scooting around, they're bouncing, they're, I mean, anything to try, stay away from me, marshmallow, right? Some immediately just give up all hope, grab the marshmallow, and eat it. A few are able to sustain themselves for like, you know, 10 of the 15 minutes, but then they cave too, eat the marshmallow. And then a very select few wait the whole 15 minutes, and the researcher comes back, gives them their reward. This is a famous experiment in delayed gratification at Stanford University. It's, it's actually called the marshmallow experiment. Um, waiting is hard. Waiting is really hard. Now, listen to this. Waiting for Christians is even harder. Let me explain. We live in a broken world, but God has promised to make us whole. So, for example, God has promised, and this is what we wait on this entire season, to send Jesus Christ again, sec second coming, he'll bring us peace. This is God's promise. And even though he's promised that, we live in 2016 in the age of the Pulse nightclub shooting. Do we not? Waiting for Christians is harder. God has promised us eternal life in him. Eternal life in the new heavens and the new earth. But we live in 2016, a week this past week wherein tragically six school children were killed in a bus accident in my hometown of Chattanooga, Tennessee. God has promised us in the second Christmas to come again and quench the every hunger and thirst in our human souls. And yet in 2016, we live in an entire culture of addictions of consumption, food and alcohol, sex and things. Waiting for everybody is hard. Waiting for Christians, believing what we believe, I suggest to you is even harder. You know what Paul says about this waiting? 
he, he diagnoses the human heart in this way. He says, sometimes waiting for Christians can be so hard that we literally just give up altogether and eat the marshmallow. We give up altogether and commit what he calls in, his, in this epistle text, works of darkness. Let me give it to you in a sentence. Sin, we believe as Christians, sin is the feeble, destructive, and ultimately unsuccessful attempt for our dealing with waiting on God. I'll say it again. Sin, in this text, works of darkness, is the Christian's feeble, destructive, and ultimately completely unsuccessful attempt to deal with waiting on God. We just give up and eat the marshmallow. Look at the text that you have in front of you, Romans 13. Paul calls this, Paul calls this, um, this tension with our waiting a number of different things here. He calls it in the top of the passage, falling asleep. You got to wake up. Don't fall asleep. He calls it works of darkness. Then he goes on to list a bunch of examples of what happens when the waiting gets too hard. He mentions drunkenness, so numbing out with alcohol. You're waiting on God to restore your marriage. Your marriage doesn't get any happier. You come to church and you hear about how God is coming again to make all things new and it's going to be Christmas, etc., etc., but your marriage never gets any better. So what do you do? You just give up. You numb out with alcohol. This is, this is what Paul's saying. He keeps diagnosing. It gets even messier. He says selfish sexuality, right? That's what he means by licentiousness and debauchery. And then he gets even more meddlesome And for the people who don't sin flagrantly with alcohol and sexuality, he says, and some of you who are uh, really good at masking your tension and waiting, he, he points at you in selfish relationships. And he says, some of you are quarrelsome and jealous. Ouch. Paul calls this works of darkness. In our colic today, we literally lift this idea from Paul's passage and we pray this, God, please, Give us grace to cast away the works of darkness, right, and put on the armor of light so that in the last day when he shall come again, that is to say, in the last day at the second Christmas when God meets all of our needs and makes all things new, give us grace to do this that we might rise to the life immortal. Okay, so Paul diagnoses the problem. Does he give us the solution? What do we do as Christians when it is so hard to wait on God for the second Christmas? How do we do this? This is the gospel good news. Every time we gather, it's good news in Jesus Christ. Let me give it to you in this this, uh, rather unique way. I brought a prop with me today. Here I have before you Peanuts Christmas Pajamas. Now, I, I considered, and I mean I really considered modeling these for you, but I thought that Dean Kidd might not approve. So, in the Bales family, this is our, one of our traditions, is that me and Mindy and now little Daphne, we each have a set of Peanuts pajamas. 
And we wear them during Advent, and they tell us that Christmas is near. When the Advent waiting gets really hard, and we're sitting in our peanuts pajamas, drinking coffee early in December, it feels like we are wearing Christmas. Paul says this, put on your Jesus clothes. We prayed it in the colic, and it's an idea that comes from this passage. This is what he means when he says in our passage, wake up. Salvation is nearer than before. Instead of living in sinful despair, put on your armor of light. Later in the passage, he says uh, explicitly, put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, lest you think I'm crazy in talking about Jesus' clothes, Putting on Jesus' clothes is an image for Paul that you can find everywhere in his writings. To put on Jesus' clothes for Paul means to recall your new identity as a Christian. It means you have the gift of faith that you didn't have before. It means you have the power to obey God and turn away from sin, turn away from works of darkness that you didn't have before. This is actually why he calls your Jesus' clothes an armor of light your armor against the works of darkness. Put on your Jesus clothes, he says. In fact, putting on your Jesus clothes as Christians is the only way, and I mean the only way, to wait on God's peace in the midst of a pulse shooting. It is the only way to hope in eternal life when facing earthly death. It is the only way to resist the sirens of addiction so that your soul can be satiated with Jesus Christ. Paul says, put on the Lord Jesus Christ. In early Christianity, new Christians were baptized naked and then raised up out of the water and dressed in robes of white. They were wrapped up in Jesus Christ. Do you want to know what happened to your baptism and then your corresponding acts of faith that flow from your baptism and belief all through life? Every time you do that, you are putting on the garment that God gave to you at baptism, Jesus Christ. You are wrapped up in His righteousness. You're wrapped up in His defense against works of darkness. You're wrapped up in hope. You're wrapped up in joy, in peace. These are your Jesus clothes. So put them on every day, every day. Paul says. Waiting on God well means putting these on. It means wearing Christmas, wearing Christmas. I want to close by telling you sort of the end of the story of that Stanford experiment. Years later, in Rochester University, another experiment was done similar to the marshmallow one. But the questions this time were, what makes a a child grab the marshmallow immediately And what makes the child able to wait? And so the researchers do this. I'll use a psychologist's words to to describe it, James Clear. He says, before offering the child the marshmallow, the researchers split the kids up into two groups, okay? The first group, they were exposed to a series of unreliable experiences. So, for example, the researcher gave the child some crayons, a small box of crayons, and then said, hey, I'll be right back, and I'm going to give you a bigger box of crayons, but never did. Or the researcher said, 
Here's a sticker. Now, if you wait a few minutes, I'm going to come back and I'm going to give you 20 stickers. But they didn't. That's the first group of kids. In another room down the hall, the second group of kids were exposed to a bunch of reliable experiences with the researcher. The researcher said, here's a little box of crayons. Five minutes, I'll be back. I'll give you 20 crayons. And he did it. Here's a little sticker. Wait 10 minutes. I'm going to bring you 20 stickers. And he did it. You can imagine the impact, can't you? These experiences had on the marshmallow test that followed. The children in the unreliable group had no reason to trust the researchers. Why would they bring them a second marshmallow so I might as well just eat the one? Of course, the children in the reliable group, they trusted the researchers by this time. After faithful, faithful, faithful actions happened, they trusted the researchers, so they waited. People of God, we do not have a God who plays tricks on us. We have a God who has proven his faithfulness to us century after century. Great is thy faithfulness, we sing. All I have needed, thy hands hath provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. Advent is a season when Christians look back at God's faithfulness to us and we trust him. That is to say, we look back at the first Christmas and we see that our God showed up, he's trustworthy. And in recalling the first Christmas and putting on our Jesus clothes, you and I, week after week, year after year, all of our lives, if it be required of us, we are enabled to wait for the second Christmas. Give us grace this day, Lord, to cast away the works of darkness and to put on the armor of light. Amen.